I don't know which one's more dangerous, them going downstairs or both of them going downstairs at the same time. Um, but we love Brother Jesse and Miss Mary, and uh, don't feel bad if they take off leaving. They've already heard the message once. Um, but we appreciate them and we love them. And uh, we love you as well, those that are watching uh, via Facebook Live, those that are attending here. Um, I hope you realize as we are, are watching our world technically unravel, uh, that it's good to be able to come into God's house and to be refreshed and renewed um, through the Word of God, but also uh, just seeing each other's faces. So let's stop and ask God's blessing uh, on our service this morning. Father God in heaven, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship you freely. Father, I pray that you help us today. God, I realize many of us are dealing with difficulties. Many of us may be facing decisions. Many of us are just overwhelmed with the unknown right now. God, what we need is we need to feel your peace and your presence. God, we know the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Father, I pray that we'll cling to that verse. We'll cling to your truth. God, I pray that you help us today to truly worship you, not the way that we prefer, but the way that you deserve. God, I pray that you be with um, those leading in worship, be with their voices. God, help us to just not be spectators this morning, but participators in worship. And God, as always, we'll give you the praise and glory in your son's name. Then let's stand together to worship this morning.
Everybody's heard that song before? It's one of my dad's favorites uh, from growing up. He likes that song a lot. The next song we're going to sing, we have a couple of songs this morning about the cross. You know, and a lot of times songs about the cross are traditionally sung, you know, around Easter and those sorts of things. Uh, we don't bring our minds back to the cross enough. And so uh, I hope that as we kind of center our minds on the worship of God this morning, that we'll think about what he's done for us.
to do one more song together this morning. I hope that as we sing, you're brought into a, a place of worship. You know, um, we were talking about with my wife last night about what worship is, right? And we've talked about it here before. Um, and just talking about really giving God the it's more about checking a box just kind of getting saying hey I did that habit thing that I did on a Sunday you know? God wants to hear from you not from the person next to you not from me with a microphone he wants to hear from your heart that's what he wants to hear and so I want you to think about that tune everything out if you need to stop singing if you need to close your eyes if you need to and as we think about the cross here just a second I want us to think about what it means and without it
us to turn our hearts to you and remember that you are the reason for our hope. God, no matter what happens with the coronavirus or with our elections or um, in our own lives, God, you are our anchor, you are our rock, and you are our hope. And God, we ask that you'll help us to be reminded of that this morning. God, as Pastor Shiloh brings your message, I ask that you'll speak to it, um, to our hearts. God, help us to understand what you want us to hear today uh, and to be obedient to it. God, we dedicate this time to you. We're so thankful. Thankful to be able to be in your house. Thankful for health. Thankful for your son, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I hope uh, that you actually think about the words that you're singing and just not going through the motions and singing. Um, if you think about that line, we're uh, all of nature mine. If I had the ability to have all of nature in my hands and I offered that to God, it would still be too small. Um, I think if we're not careful, we come to church and we think, man, I got that check for the week. God is really impressed. Um, but God is bigger than that, um, and I hope you understand that. We're going to be talking about kindness, um, something that is desperately needed in our world today, amen? Um, if you recall, last week we took a break, and Brother Jonathan was here and shared with us about what God is doing in Bulgaria, and uh, so we're going to kick back up on our series about the fruit of the Spirit, nine virtues of the Christian life. We have a couple of passages of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. And so if uh, you'll pay attention, I'll get through this as quick as I can, uh, which is usually slow, so um, it's good. So there was a train that was uh, filled with a bunch of passengers, and uh, it was a long journey, and uh, most of them had spent the day just traveling, and nighttime came, and it was time for everybody to settle down and start getting um, some sleep. However, at the end of this one train car was a young man holding a baby. And he was doing everything in his power to get that baby to go to sleep. But the more he tried, the more the baby screamed and screamed and screamed. And you could tell it was agitating everybody on that train car. To the point that this one big brawny guy stood up and walked over to the man and said, why don't you just take that baby to its mother? There's a long pause. And the man responded. He said, I'm sorry, I'm doing my best. The baby's mother is in her casket in the baggage car ahead. As you can imagine, there was another long pause of silence. And then that big brawny man took that baby from that man's arms, sat down and began to rock that baby to sleep and told that man, hey, you get some rest. See, we see that every day. We don't see the kindness. We see the unkindness and the impatience in our world. I want you to know that our world and our church is in desperate need of kindness. Now when I say kindness, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about what we used to do, usually do is we show kindness to people that we know are going to in turn show kindness back to us. And as we learn about the fruit of the Spirit, it is the product of the Holy Spirit living inside me. And so as the Holy Spirit is living inside me, these fruit of the Spirit we don't call them fruits because it's a package deal, remember? All these will be evident and seen in my life. I'm just going to be honest. Impatience was difficult. Patience is difficult, right? We know that's a difficult fruit to try to bear. But I'll be honest with you. Kindness to those who don't deserve it is even harder. 
And yet that's what God calls us to do. We're going to look at three things real quick and then we'll take it home. First of all, kindness is a calling. Not only is it a fruit of the Spirit, it is something that God commands us to do. If you look at Ephesians 4.32, it should be a familiar passage with you if you've been in church a long period of time. You usually quote it to your kids when they're fighting. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted or compassionate, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Here's a quick definition. Kindness is the inner disposition created by the Holy Spirit that causes us to be sensitive to the needs of others, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual. We tend to understand kindness on the physical realm. If somebody has a physical need, then we are kind when we show and try to help that need, whether it be financial, whether it be something that we're helping them lift, things of that nature. Opening the door for somebody whose arms are full of things. We get that. We get the kindness emotional when somebody is grieving and going through some type of, of difficult storm that they're having, whether it be a, the loss of a loved one, whether it be a divorce. We understand the emotional kindness. Can I tell you, church, it is difficult for us spiritual kindness when we are kind to people who are not further along on their spiritual journey than we are. But can I tell you, that's still kindness. See, kindness is literally goodness in action or love in action. You cannot be kind and not act on it. If today you're sitting there going, I'm a kind person. If you have to convince yourself that you're a kind person, you're probably not a kind person. Amen? If somebody's talking to you and they have to reiterate over and over again how kind they are, you already know they're not. But what I want you to understand about kindness is kindness sees a need and it has to act upon that need. It will not be satisfied until that need is met. Kindness is a sincere desire for happiness for those around us. Look at the three words here in our text real quick. Kind. What does that mean? Well, the Greek term comes from the same word where we get kin or kindred. This literally means that we are to treat others like they are family. Now, in the American standpoint, we don't like our family. Come on now. See, some of you are embarrassed when your family shows up. Okay? There's always, I tell everybody, everybody's from a dysfunctional family. Others just hide it better. Okay? But this is not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about a family, when I say family from this pulpit, I'm talking about the family that God intended us to be, which is perfect and which is whole. But I'll be honest with you. If you're a Christian and you don't like your family, you got some serious spiritual issues going on. But then he says compassionate, tender-hearted. This means to show mercy, understanding, and love and tenderness. It means to be aware of a person's hurt, suffering, and problems. It is the first step at being kind. So when I am kind, I will in, in turn be compassionate towards someone. And then forgiving. Forgiving is the ultimate act of kindness. Here's why. Nobody deserves it. So forgiveness is the ultimate act of kindness. It is being gracious towards others, not holding grudges or seeking vengeance for wrongs committed against you. Forgiveness in the aspect that I'm talking about is forgiving people who don't deserve it, which is all of us. That's the ultimate act of kindness. And can I be honest? All those three things, apart from the grace of God and the Holy Spirit living inside us, we cannot do. Why? 
We are consumed with our responsibilities, our problems, our plans, and our pains. And to be kind, you have to think outside the box. I'm going to give this, it's going to be on the screen, and this is a very difficult thing for us to think about, but here it is. We're to treat others with the same kindness that God has shown us. I'm not supposed to treat people the way that they deserve. I'm not even supposed to treat people the way that I want to be treated. I'm supposed to pe treat people the way that God has treated me. Just be honest. Kindness towards somebody has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what God has done through you. So I treat people based not on who they are, based not on their occupation, based not on their skin color, based not on how much money they make, based on anything. I treat everybody the way that God has treated me. And when I have that in my thought process, I will treat people with kindness. Here's what Jeremiah said. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I love this word. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So kindness is our response to the grace of God that has shown you. Here's what we do. We treat people the way that we think they need to be treated. But can I tell you, kindness overflows from a heart that realizes who we are, who God is, the fact that he loves us despite who we are, and we treat people accordingly. I said this last service. It's not about what would Jesus do. Now, I know that blows everybody's mind. Well, I need to take my bracelet off. Got to take my shirt off. That says WWJD. When you're thinking about kindness, yes. How would Jesus treat this person? But I want you to go a little bit further. How would I treat this person if they were Jesus? Changes the whole ballgame, doesn't it? See, some of you can't even treat other people with loving kindness. And you're going to be judged for that one day because God's going to say, you, didn't, you shouldn't be looking at them, you're actually treating me that way. It changes the whole perspective of kindness. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. God only loves those who love themselves. That's not even scripture. Somebody even quoted that the other day. Doesn't God say God helps those who help themselves? No. It's what the government says usually. Here's what Jesus says. He's kind to the unthankful and the evil. I'll just give you a verse for it. Luke 6, 35. You can look it up. But when I say that God is kind to the unthankful and the evil, here's what we think. That's everybody else. But when God is unkind to the unthankful and the evil, that's us. How many of you have children? Lots of us, right? Can I tell you, your children are not born thankful. You know what they're born with? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I told them this, this last, the last service. The worst thing that happened during COVID is my kids could not go to Walmart. Walmart. Not Disney World. Not something exciting. Walmart. Not people getting sick and in the hospital. Daddy, why can't I go into Walmart? You know why they want to go into Walmart? It's not because Walmart is just an awesome place to go. Have you been to the Walmart here? It's not that great. I do go to Walmart to make myself feel better about myself, just looking around. And just so you know, you do have to wear a mask, but you can wear your pajamas too. It's all right. My kids want to go to Walmart because there's stuff in there that they want. 
It doesn't matter that they already have stuff. They want more stuff. And before we start getting upset with kids, we're the same way. In ourselves, we are ungrateful, unthankful, and evil, and yet the Bible says God still extends His kindness to us. Ephesians 2.7 says that in the age to come, God might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards Jesus Christ. While you were being a sinner, while you are at your worst state, not while you are at church being good, can I tell you, if it was apart from Christ, all of us are doomed. But out of His kindness, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, not because we deserved it, but because of His loving kindness. Titus 3, 4 describes our lost condition. It says, But after the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man has appeared. He appeared towards us, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. Here's why we should be kind. According to Ephesians 4, number one, it's a command. It's not something you can say, well, I, I can choose to be kind today, or I can choose not to be. Or I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, therefore everybody better watch out. You don't have a choice. You're to be kind because God has given us a command. Jesus told us to love our neighbors. Jesus told us to love our friends. Jesus told us to love our families. Jesus also told us to love our enemies. We're to be kind. It's also the character of God. God forgave us not because we deserve it, but He forgave us for Christ's sake. The character of God is kindness. Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrated His love towards us, not while we were being good, but while we were sinners. That's when Christ died for us. Church, we do not perform acts of kindness to earn God's mercy and forgiveness. You perform good deeds because you have been forgiven. The world tries to give people what they deserve, but God gives grace and God gives mercy. I'm going to mention something. I mentioned it in the last service. I used an illustration because I know this is not going to cause any conflict when I start talking about an illustration about the Civil War. I probably got 20 hate emojis on Facebook Live. But you know anything about the Confederate Army? If you know anything about the war, when it came time for General Lee to surrender to General Grant, General Grant was an unusual man. Knowing the war was over and victory was his, he showed great and unusual kindness towards General Lee. He allowed General Lee to ride freely in and out of the arena. He also allowed the Confederate Army to keep their possessions and horses. He even gave them food because they were hungry, and he let them go home undisturbed. Because of that act of kindness, uh, because of that, General Lee never forgot that. In fact, after the war, General Lee became the president of Washington College in Virginia. And on one occasion, one of his fellow instructors, also a Southerner, began to speak bad about General Grant. In fact, it was pretty, pretty bad. I mean, he was just downing. General Lee got so upset, he looked at the man and said, Sir, if you ever presume to speak disrespectfully of General Grant in my presence, either you or I will sever his connection with this university. They were supposed to be sworn enemies. But because of General Grant's kindness, it changed General Lee's impact and outlook on him. Can I tell you? It should do the same for us. Number two, kindness is a commitment. The verse I'm going to go up there, you're going to think, how in the world does this have anything to do with kindness? But in our day and age it does. Romans 12, it says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay Said the Lord, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. And we like this part, for in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Some of you are like, hmm, 
The only reason I'm kind to that individual is I'm imagining hot coals pouring on their head, and I smirk. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you cannot be evil with evil. You be evil with good. And a priest who takes care of the temple, offers sacrifices to God, worship God, walks by, surely the priest is going to stop and help a fellow Jew. But instead he goes around the man. The second person is a Levite. This is a culturally educated guy who knows the law, knows the same thing about the temple, knows that this guy is a fellow Jew, sees him and walks around him. Then comes a Samaritan. For you and I, that means absolutely nothing. But for a Jew, the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. So there was no love loss. Samaritans hated Jews, Jews hated Samaritans. So the Samaritan, as he sees this Jew, he has every right in the world to walk around and keep going and say, that's not my problem. But what does he do? He stops. He takes wine from his bag and he pours over the wounds to purify the wounds. He takes oil and he puts on his wounds to help heal the wounds. He takes the man, he picks him up, puts him on his own donkey and walks him to an end. Not only pays for the end, not only pays for his help, but says, here's more if there's anything else he needs. Jesus then looks and says, that is your neighbor. Isn't that convicting today? Your neighbor is that one that you have a problem with today. That neighbor is that one that you always have conflict. That is your neighbor. Jesus said this. Listen to what the Message Bible puts it. If all you do is love those who love you, do you expect a bonus? I usually don't like the Message Bible, but that's pretty funny. Look what else he says. Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. See, the Good Samaritan could have ignored the Jew remembering all the hateful racial slurs that have been shot at him by other Jews. But instead, Jesus says, kindness works better than revenge. 1 Thessalonians 5. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good towards yourself and to everyone. Number three. Kindness is confirmation. Luke 6, 35 through 36, says this. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, basically give, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be, look what it says, you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil, therefore be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. When I am kind, I want you to please hear me. When I am kind, it is confirmation that I am a child of God. Amen. Kindness reveals that you are a child of God. Every day, every week, every month, Christians should be intentional with their acts of kindness. Now, here's usually how we're kind. I'm usually kind to somebody and I want everybody to know it. That's not kindness. Kindness does not want any reward. In fact, the best seen kindness is not seen publicly. 
It's the best. Jesus said this in Mark 9. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name will certainly not lose his reward. Y'all know the context of that? Jesus also said if somebody asks you to walk a mile, you're to go two. If you know the context of that, Roman soldiers could ask Jews, the Romans were ruling the Jews, could ask any Jewish boy, hey, carry my stuff a mile. And God says in order to show true kindness, you just don't carry it a mile, you go above and beyond and go two miles. And then he says, when you do this, you're doing it in my name. Can I tell you the best act of kindness is when somebody does it in secret and you don't even know who they are. Kindness is confirmation that you're a child of God. Now let's take it home. First of all, kindness will take action. It'll always act. If you know anything about 1 Corinthians 13, it's always quoted at weddings, right? Love is patient. Love is what? Kind. Remember we talked about kindness is love in action. Kindness supplies what is lacking. Kindness always takes action. It reminds me of a, an elderly lady. She went to the post office, and she would all, as she'd go to the post office, she'd always go to the front desk, and she'd buy her stamps. Well, this day that she came, it was packed. I mean, there was a line. And if y'all know anything about lines, I hate them. It's a long line. And so this man behind her knew who she was. She always, she was known in the community. And she said, ma'am, listen, you don't have to wait in this line. If you want to, there's a machine out here that you can put your money in and it'll give you stamps. And here's what she said. I know, but the machine won't smile back or ask about my arthritis. Kindness takes action. Colossians 3.12 tells us to clothe ourselves with kindness. Are you a person that is kind? Number two, kindness will take a risk. The good Samaritan did not stop and think, you know what, the robbers may be around these rocks. They may jump out and get me. He didn't think about that. He took a risk by stopping and helping. He didn't think about his own possessions. Can I tell you something else he didn't think about? His own reputation. For a Samaritan to stop and help a Jew was going to get word back to other people, and they're going to be like, why would you help those people? But he did it anyways. Why? Because kindness takes a risk. Some of you right now, the only reason that you haven't done something that you feel God wants you to do is you're worried about how the person that God wants you to be kind to is going to treat you. It doesn't matter. Kindness takes a risk. The best act of kindness taking a risk during this whole mess. And if you know what I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about the coronavirus. I'm talking about the protesting. I'm talking about the rioting. Is that there was a, and it was on, it's on Facebook because everything's on Facebook. Hallelujah. It's on Facebook, it was on the news. If you remember, one of the police officers got uh, straight away from his company. He had been, been hurt badly, and some of the protesters surrounded him to protect him from those that were trying to hurt him. That's kindness taking a risk. Jimmy Church? Can I tell you, that's exactly what the church is supposed to do. The church is supposed to be the ones that are on the forefront lines being kind to those who hate us. Being kind to those who want the church closed. Our job is to be kind. 
You say, where do you get that example? Philippians 2, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Philippians 2 talks about Jesus who was equal with God, humbled himself and lowered himself and came here. He took a risk so that he could die for us. He's our example. Number three, kindness will pay the price. Think about that good Samaritan again. He was willing to do whatever it took to pay whatever price to help the man in need. Kindness is going to cost you three things. This is a side note. You can put them in your notes. It's going to cost you time. Being kind is just not thinking kind thoughts. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you talent, and it's going to cost you treasure. I hate to even use this illustration, but I'm going to just in case some of you are about to move. But usually when people move, they like to call me. Usually if my father-in-law is moving anything, he always calls me. And I know your first response is, well, because you're a big, fat, bald guy, that's probably the big reason. Well, that is, but I also have this thing, it's in my driveway, it's got a bed in it, and it's also can be hooked up with a trailer. The truck, any man in here has ever had a truck, no, the only reason you got a truck is so somebody can call and ask you to use it. It's like as soon as you pull up in the driveway with your new truck, you just pull up and you're like, Dad, yeah, you saw I got a truck. You're moving when? Yeah, I'm going to be out of town. Kindness is not letting somebody use my truck. Kindness is taking my truck over there and helping them move. Do you get it? See, sometimes we're so preoccupied with our time. I said this last week. This good Samaritan was a man. Let me just give you this just bare brunt. This, this good Samaritan was a man. He was on a journey, headed somewhere. If you're a man in here and you're ever on a journey, you want to get there as fast as you can. And if the GPS says it's going to take five hours, you want to get there in two and a half hours and show it. Right? And if your kid's got to go to the bathroom, that's why you bought a bottle of drink. Drink it, pour it out, use it. We're not stopping anywhere. It's only when your wife says she's got to go, all right. You're trying to get somewhere. Why? Because you have this thing in your mind. The Good Samaritan, think about it. He had somewhere to go. He had plans. He had a purpose. He saw a need, and it was no longer about him. He paid the price. It'll cost you. Fourth, kindness will put others first. The Good Samaritan dropped everything. Think about this. He didn't think about his time. He didn't think about his treasure. He didn't think about his talent. He thought about the one in need. Philippians 2.3 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Are you, are you with me? Is everybody, I'm glad everybody's sitting down, not protesting yet. Think about this for a moment. This is even talking about that person that you have an issue with. You're to think of them better than you. Well, preacher, you don't know what they've done. It doesn't matter. Preacher, you don't know who they are. Yeah, according to your eyes, they ought to be Jesus. Let me ask you, have you been treating people like Jesus? Or you have been treating people the way that they treated you? So I learned this a long time ago. Hurt people hurt people. When they get hurt, their first response is, 
I want this person to hurt as bad as I hurt. That's not kindness. That's actually from the devil. In fact, our passage said, vengeance is not ours, it's God. So in order to get back at somebody, you know what you do? You're just kind. It's the total opposite. Quaker man said this, Stephen Grillette, look what he said. I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do, or any kindness that I can show to any fellow creature, let me do it now. Let me not deter to neglect it. I love this. For I shall not pass this way again. Today, you will never get back. Some of us, God has told us to be kind or to go above and beyond for somebody. He's put that on your heart. And if we're not careful, we'll put all our stuff up, we'll put it in the Bible, we'll fill out the notes, we'll go and we'll leave, and we'll say, man, that was a good message on kindness, I need to do better, and God is pricking our heart about somebody, and we will do nothing. Can I tell you, that's not kindness. Let me give you the best example of kindness. I gave it last service. Uh, we had a girl by the name of Jane um, in our youth group in uh, Muscle Shoals. She was out one Sunday afternoon on a Polaris. I think everybody knows what a Polaris is. And as she was going around a turn on her Polaris on this gravel road, it began to flip. And as the Polaris began to flip, she thought it'd be a good idea to put her foot out to stop it. So she put her foot out with the Polaris to stop it. It drug her and her foot a few feet. Um, I would show you pictures, but you would get sick. About five minutes before I am to get up to preach, we get news that Jane is on her way, being flown to Tupelo, Mississippi, the possibility that she's going to lose her foot. So I get up. I give the announcement. I try to preach. I can't preach. So we just stop. And we pray. Now for some of you think, well, that was kind. That's not kindness. So here's what we did. I said, well, I'm going to go to Tupelo. Anybody that wants to go with us to Tupelo can go. So we got in a church van, and a couple people got in vehicles, and we drove. It was, listen, it was about 6 o'clock at night. School's the next day. We drove about two and a half hours to Tupelo, Mississippi for Muscle Shoals. We get there. I mean, there's a van full. There's car full. There's a ton of people there. We walk in, and there is Jane's dad and Jane's mom. I was able to go and, and pray with Jane and pray with her mom because the surgery was coming up and they didn't know if they were going to save her foot. What I didn't tell you about the story is Jane and her mom alone had been coming to our church for about two years, just by themselves. The dad would never come. We, we stayed for about two hours or so. It's about one or two o'clock. We're about to get in our, our vehicles to drive back to, to Muscle Shoals. And I'll never forget... Chris is his name, pulled one of our ladies aside and said, listen, because of your act of kindness, because y'all all came, he said, guess what? I'll be at church Sunday. Y'all don't know Chris, or so you don't think. Three years ago when we became pastor, Chris... Susie Lawler came to this church. Chris was the one that was diagnosed with cancer. Chris had came to our church and rededicated his life. 
Christ our son is an act of kindness. Did you hear me? It wasn't a message I preached. Just a simple act of kindness. Our world is in desperate need of people to be real. Jesus doesn't get up with signs and poster and says, turn or burn. You know what Jesus did? He showed simple acts of kindness. Some of you in the sound of my voice, if you're not careful because of, let's just be honest, the last four or five months, it has not made people better, it's made them bitter. There's somebody that you know, somebody in your, your sphere of influence, that all it's going to take is an act of kindness to get them to think, you know what? Maybe I need to go to church. Maybe I need to see what this Jesus is all about. Do you realize that an act of kindness could change somebody's eternal destination? I'm going to be honest with you. It's all about us right now. And some of us need to repent. At the look of Facebook, all of us need to repent. And just say, God, help me to quit trying to get vengeance. Help me try, quit trying to get my, my view across. God, help me to quit being mean and help me to just start being kind. Not the kindness of the world, but the kindness of your son. I, I know where we're at today. Some of you, it's hard for you to be kind at work because of one individual. It may be hard for you to be kind in your own home because of one individual. Or some of you are just longing. Listen, I know some of you are just longing for someone to be kind to you. Greatest kindness that was ever done for us was when Jesus went to the cross, knowing who I was, knowing what I deserved, and yet he still died on the cross for me. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know where God wants us. Bethlehem Church, we're not there. Maybe we need to come and have an altar call and say, God, help me with my kindness. Maybe you can pray here at the altar. Maybe you can pray at your seat and say, God, help me with my kindness. Or maybe you're here and you say, hey, I want to hear more about this Jesus who shows kindness to those who don't deserve it. If that's you, listen, you can come forward or you can see me as we close. But I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Listen, if God spoke to you, just don't hesitate, don't wait. If you need to come, why don't you come? It's going to have a chance for you to come to the altar and pray. If you need to come, just come. Is there somebody that God has placed on your heart this morning? Somebody that you need to extend some kindness to? If you need to come, won't you come? Church, I'm not trying to prolong the invitation, but I'll just say this. If you're not treating people the way that you would treat Jesus, 
You need to do some business with God this morning. Are you treating people not the way that they deserve, but the way that Jesus tells us? Or is there somebody right now in your mind that you say, you know what, I can tell by everything going on that they just need some kindness. If God's put that on your heart, listen, just pray and ask Him, what can I do this week to extend God's kindness? If you need to come, won't you come? pray with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here and just say, Brother Shiloh, just remember me. God's speaking to me. I don't know what it is. Listen, I don't need to know, but to say, Brother Shiloh, God's speaking to me, and you just put your hand up, put it down. See that hand all over the place. All over the place. Let's collectively pray. Father God in heaven, it's so easy to think that we're being kind. God, help us realize that kindness always acts. God, forgive us for the times that we've been overwhelmed with whatever we've seen, with whatever we've heard, how we've been treated. God, help us to realize that you've called us to be kind. You've called us to be kind to those that we know, those that we don't know, even those that don't deserve it. God, I pray that you help us this week to just be thinking about how we can have intentional acts of kindness, whether today or tomorrow or this week or this month. God, this world is in desperate need of believers showing kindness. God, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you and we praise you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. God, we give you this time. God, help everything that's said and done has been for your glory and for your honor. We pray these things in your son's name. And all God's people said.